morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles uh, to Galatians chapter 2, this has been um, a book that we've been going through in our Wednesday noon Bible study and, and uh, just goes along with what, what our theme is this morning. But have you ever eaten a meal that went wrong or a cooking disaster because someone changed the recipe? Or, or maybe you've cooked this amazing dish and somebody put ketchup on it. The inventor, Thomas Edison, uh, when he interviewed candidates for research assistant positions, he offered them a bowl of soup. And you wonder why would they do that? He did this because he wanted to see if they would add salt and pepper to the soup first before they tried it. And those who automatically did that, he ruled them out. Edison didn't want people to make assumptions before fully experiencing the soup first. My mom was a hero um, as a single parent raising us three kids. And, and when we were young and didn't have much, mom made a beef stew. Um, but, but on this occasion, she substituted the beef marinade for white vinegar. And we tucked into this vinegar beef stew, and it was rough. Like a good parent, she started off by saying, you'll eat what is before you, and mentioned something about children in third, third countries that couldn't eat. But very soon she relented when she realized how bad it was. Now, I'm from a long line of Bollingers who put t- tomato ketchup on, e- on everything. Mac and cheese, cas- uh, casseroles, and especially on cottage cheese. A little bit of bread, cottage cheese, and ketchup. You should try it, really, really. Now, now you're thinking, how repulsive. You're crazy to ruin perfectly good cottage cheese. It's just wrong. But like a perfect and good dish that goes wrong when we mess with the ingredients, Paul addressed a similar issue writing to the, the Galatian Christians. And we pick it up in Galatians 2.20, where he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Throughout Galatians, we read one of the most descriptive of the gospel messages. What Jesus did on the cross for you and I. Here's a one minute gospel summary from the book of Galatians. You can follow along on the screen. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross to deliver you from the present evil age. The son of God who loved you gave himself for your sins. He called you by his grace. You have freedom in Christ Jesus and you are declared righteous in the sight of God by faith in Christ. He supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. You receive the spirit simply by hearing with faith. Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for you. When you received him in your heart, you are now a son and daughter of God. And because you're sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. But not only that, you're an heir through God. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's right. This was not the first time that Paul was sharing the gospel with this Galatian people, but it actually was more of a reminder 
And Paul's writing to the Galatians wasn't really a gentle reminder. Um, and, and you wonder why, why did Paul have to remind the Galatians of what Jesus had done for them? Because the Galatians were substituting and adding key ingredients to the gospel. We read Paul's response in Galatians 3. Galatians 3 in the Message Bible says this, You crazy Galatians, did somebody put a spell on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. In the ESV Bible, he says, who bewitched you? That, that word bewitched, it's the only time it's used in the Bible. And it talks about being fascinated by a false representation of truth. Paul was saying, you're absolutely crazy. And you wonder, what did the Galatian Christians had done to deserve such an arresting challenge? Well, we read two statements that Paul makes to the Galatians. In Galatians 1, 6, and 7, he says, I'm astonished that you quickly deserted him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So first of all, they, they were turning to a different gospel. They were substituting ingredients. They had heard and once believed, and but now kind of like if you were on the sea and, and, and a crosswind across, blew across your sail and kind of blew you off course in a different direction. They were being troubled by contrary voices. They, those who wanted to distort the gospel wanted to, to turn them away from it. And then in Galatians 3.3, 3, it says, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So secondly, they were, they were attempting to be perfected by the flesh. They were adding ingredients, so to speak. This is Jesus plus something. To the Galatians, it was Jesus plus circumcision. Or Jesus plus ceremonies. Or Jesus plus rules. Or Jesus plus regulations. They were being told, now you, what you, now you have to do, now you have to be doing things to stay right with God. Putting ketchup on perfectly good gospel. And in chapter 2 verse 16 it says. Yet we know that a person is not justified. By works of the law. But by the faith in Jesus Christ. That word justified is a Christian word that we use quite a bit. And I saw a great definition of that. It's the act of God that moves a willing person from a state of sin, injustice, and moves them to a state of grace, of justice. It's declaring us righteous in the sight of God by faith in Christ. And he goes on to say, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one can be justified. You see, we needed to be rescued, didn't we? We were dead in our sins. Only by putting our faith in Jesus are we moved from the power of sin to be made righteous in Jesus. Living by works of the flesh for us is thinking, I need to work harder to behave like a Christian. 
I don't feel Jesus loves me until I'm doing something, or I don't feel God's love unless I'm really doing something, or when I'm not doing things enough, I'm struggling to feel God's love for me or acceptance of me. You've got to be doing things to maintain the grace is the heart of this. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. It's like getting married and then being given a list that says, now you have to spend time with me. You have to bring me flowers. I want red flowers, not the yellow ones. I want you to, to spend time with me. You need to love me. You, you married now, now act like it. That's the heart of, of a situation of somebody trying to live, perfect themselves by works. Dane Ortman in a book explains it this way in, in the gentle and lowly book. There are two ways to live the Christian life. We can live it either for the heart of God. I just, I just want God's love. I just want to receive his heart or from that place of having already received it. You can live for the smile of God or from it for a new identity as a son or daughter or from it. We were in our Wednesday noon Bible study, we were talking about this. And, and obviously, it's important for us to read our Bible and pray. And sometimes it's like, I've got to read my Bible today. And you've got your plan and you're reading it. And you go, ah, I've read my Bible today. And, and that's where it just feels like we're doing it just because we have to. Out of duty, we, someone said this morning, uh, doing things out of duty rather than delight. And that's when we're doing things to do something. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying so that I'm a good Christian. Whereas when we're doing it from, it's like coming to the word of God and said, Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that as I come to your word, I pray that you would speak to me. You would, you would reveal your truth to me. I thank you for meeting with you in the word in Jesus name. Paul says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. And if we're going to try to justify according to our performance, we'll have to perform perfectly. (laughs) Have a go with that. (laughs) And that is why Paul makes the statement here in our passage. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. And he says, and the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God. I can only do that. I can't do it by my own performance. Have you ever found that when you try to do things in your own effort, in your own ways, it just doesn't have the same result as with Christ? What does that look like for you and I today? Well, Paul's passionate plea to the Galatians was to bring them back to a fresh reminder of the gospel. These past 18 months have caused many of us to question our faith, to really come to terms with what does it mean for me to be a Christian? What does my faith mean? In lockdown, it it seemed like we were stripped away of all the doing of church, you know, coming to church, singing, listening to teaching, talking about my relationship with God, with people. And we're faced with, in those moments, we were faced with what was left. What do I believe? And we can become a bit unsettled by all that. Maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and and yet you have a lot of questions right now. And moments when we start to question our faith or start to to question where, where we are with God, those are normal and good at times. But not when they trouble us. Not when they, they bring doubts and, and arguments 
that seek to turn us from the gospel truth. And I particularly felt this morning that there were some who particularly were battling confusion and the enemy was trying to distort the truth of a spirit-filled life. It's like when you look back, there was a time when, when you were filled with joy, you were, you were, you were living in the power of the Holy Spirit, but, but now you, you find yourself struggling in it. You find yourself kind of questioning it and being critical of it and, and you're left with feeling kind of sad, empty, and, and lost in the midst of it. And I feel that God wants to bring us back afresh. And maybe that, that's you this morning, but wants to bring us back afresh to an understanding that it is, it is a word and spirit that God's called us to. And, and a life of the spirit is where we have the fruit of the spirit and the power of the spirit to live the life that God wants us to live. Like Paul was saying, we can become fascinated by false representations of truth. Maybe it's confusion from what we've been listening to on social media or on TV or, or people's opinions around us. Paul is putting to them, are you really going to shape your life around anything other than Christ? Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm doing all right on my own. I'm, my life is pretty good without any restraints or I'm enjoying the sort of freedom that I have. And, but, but it makes me think, has Jesus become my occasional takeaway? Or is he one who's part of my daily bread? Maybe in a subtle way, we're trying to be perfected by the flesh. The sense of, I'm not doing enough. I feel like I'm letting God down. Yes, Jesus, but, but I, I still worry about a lot of things. I, I feel so guilty. I'm, I'm such a bad Christian. I, I'm a disappointment. For, for me, there's a, as I was just letting this touch my own heart, I found there's a, a real subtle motivation of measuring God's approval by what I do. And, and the need for others' approval. And, and I think it's fair to say this morning that we haven't had much thought about the law and all the details of the law <laughs> right now in our lives. We're not necessarily people that are reviewing the law and making sure we're following it. Yeah, but it's a very subtle thing, isn't it? That am I doing, am I walking my Christian walk out of duty? Am I trying to take Jesus and make sure I'm adding to that, that I'm behaving and doing good? Or am I doing it out of delight? Maybe it's like, well, I read my Bible every day last week and, and I was doing so good. But then Monday I lost my cool and I just couldn't face God. But then look at this. This is the amazing part of what Paul said. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Watch this. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let that sink just for a minute. The Son of God. The creator of the heavens and the earth. The one that was there at the beginning, that, that was crucified, died, was resurrected, stands at the right hand of the Father, having all authority over, heaven, over darkness and sin. He loves you. And he died for you. He gave himself on that cross. He was thinking about you and me. Wow, isn't that amazing? 
That takes all the duty out of it. I just got to try harder. I just got to try to find a way to get his approval. I just feel like I'm letting him down. I, I owe him so much. And, and yet he goes, you don't have to strive. It's a, it's a fresh, let that sink into what you're facing right now. How you're feeling right now. It says in the book, a healthy Christian life is built on the justification being made right that flows from the work of Christ and the love that flows from the heart of Christ. His heart for me could not sit still in heaven. Dane Ortland from the book says, his heart cannot be diminished by his own people's by his own people due to their sin any more than the sun's existence can be threatened due to the passing of a few uh, wispy clouds or even the extended thunderstorms. We don't tend to have many blue skies, really sunny days here in, in Suffolk, do we? But you know that even though the, the clouds are full of clouds, you know there's a sun shining brightly behind it. The sun didn't stop, even though it can be the darkest of dark and throwing down rain, you know, and, and yet, you know, behind it, it's still shining. Clouds, no clouds, sin or no sin. The tender heart of the son of God is shining on me. This is an unflappable affection. So how do we respond to what we've heard this morning? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or you've been living in a lot of doubt. Let this gospel be a reminder of what is true. The gospel is a free gift. You can't add to it. You can't subtract from it. We can miss the truth that God so loved you, that he gave his life for you, that you may have the best life you were created to live. And if, that, if you haven't given your life to Jesus and having heard that gospel, you go, well, how do I take advantage of that gift? It's just receiving him in your heart. And we're glad to pray with you afterwards. Or if you want to get in touch with us, we're glad to introduce you to Jesus and tell you more about him. But for you and I as believers, maybe this morning you might realize in your life, like I do in my life, a gospel deficit. Our tendency respond to I guess you could say our tendency from something like this is, I better try harder. <laughs> but it's not trying harder. It's actually give up trying. And give up your hearts to Jesus. Not attempting to work for our acceptance in the church, in the family of God. Recognizing our subtle, chronic tendencies to attempt to strengthen our standing with God based on how we're performing spiritually. And it's so subtle because you're saying like, well, Mike, you're saying I don't pray. You're saying I don't read the Bible. No, I don't. I'm not doing those things because I have to. Because the gospel is deeping, is coming deep in my heart. And I know the love of God. It gives me a delight to want to talk to God in prayer. And it gives me a delight in wanting to re, uh, read the word and, and to be in the, in the Bible and to learn from him that way. If from this morning you become aware in your heart you have a gospel deficit, 
a lack of felt awareness of Christ's heart. All the worry and dysfunction and resentment from living in a mental universe of legalism. Let the gospel, the work and heart of Jesus, touch your heart afresh. And over these last couple weeks, I just have to say, I've had some amazing conversations where the, the topic has been just a real fresh reality of what Jesus has done. Who Jesus is, what, what God as our father means and, and how that just strips away all the, all the extra stuff we get ourselves caught up in and just receiving. We don't need to be born again, again. We know that we don't need to accept Jesus in our heart. But I think there's moments like this, like Paul's reminding us saying, let the gospel land in your heart afresh. You know, that's worship. And we, we, we sing the, the, the song that goes, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. And that's what Paul was talking about, adding ingredients, substituting ingredients. But it's all about you. The gospel is an invitation to let the heart of Christ calm us into joy. For we've already been discovered. We've already been included. We've already been brought in. We can bring our up and down moral performance into subjection to the settled fixedness of what Jesus feels about us. And at the end of one of our Wednesday noon Bible studies, um, we were reminded of this song. And I'll just say the words because they have more power than singing them. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of of his glory and grace. What if starting from tomorrow morning, we made the choice, or even today you can, we made the choice to bring our own hearts into alignment with Christ, replacing our natural orphan mindset with the truth that we're fully and freely adopted in the, Father, in the family of God through the work of Christ. Who lovingly, who loved you and gave himself for you out of the overflowing outworking of his gracious heart. If we allowed the love of Jesus for us, if we allow the love of Jesus to marinate our hearts afresh. To, to not be overworking drive to perform or to keep right with God or others. Imagine the joy and peace we would have if we live our lives from letting the gospel reach into our hearts. That we might live the gospel to those around us in our work, in our home, and in our, in our friends. That's why Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh my day to day, I live only by faith in the Son of God. The Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. Can I pray for us as we just respond to God? Just as I was sitting this morning in worship, I just kind of felt like God just encouraged me just in this moment. Just receive a fresh revelation of the gospel. It's a free gift. Just in your your inner man, just open your heart and say, God, will you reveal Jesus to me afresh? Will you reveal his love for me afresh? Will you reveal to me the reality of my sonship and daughtership? My adoption, my acceptance, that I don't have to strive to fit in the family of God. I'm accepted. I'm loved. Only because Jesus took me from that state of sin and brought me to this place of grace. And now in this grace, I stand. Father, reveal that grace to us afresh this morning. It's not something we feel, but Lord, it's something you drop in our hearts. That gospel truth that you love us. Holy Spirit, make it real in our hearts this morning. Take these words, take the words of your word and make them life. And I pray for everyone here who has wrestled in confusion of their faith, in the performance of trying to be right with God and falling short. We lay it all down. And Father, we align our own hearts to yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus. Let's just linger a little longer. It would be so easy for us just to step away. and Get distracted from the essential. Holy Spirit, just blow afresh.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for an increase of the Spirit's activity. You're here. But I pray you would blow upon us afresh. doesn't matter if you don't feel anything. It doesn't matter if your mind feels like it's all over the place. He's here. And he's working deep in our hearts. Father, we wait on you. Will you make Jesus real to our hearts afresh today? You arrested us. (laughs) You rescued us and you arrested us. And we were overjoyed when we received you. And now I pray for a fresh surgence of joy again. And let all the doubt of our substitutions fade away. And let all the things that we've added to your amazing dish of the gospel be set aside. Only you, Jesus. 